Welcome back to the Crow's Nest. My name is Jackson Shank, alongside my co-host Justin Valenzuela for episode 30. Wow, crazy to crazy to think that Justin already on episode 30. What a journey we have been on. But it is time to talk some NFL because some receivers are finally done with their drama. A little DK Debo action, and then we're gonna we're gonna clean up some other news in the NFL regarding Deshaun Watson, some injuries and some other free agent signings. But Justin, tell me how you're doing today, sir. Jackson, it's the big 3-0. What a special episode for us today. I'm doing pretty good. Um, getting ready after this. Big chest and back day. Changing up the split a little bit. Let's get huge. But yeah, I'm doing good. What about you, my are you, friend? Are you going to Arnold? Are you going to the Arnold split? Nah, nah. Me and my friend are just playing around with different stuff. We're kind of kind of hitting a plateau so we're gonna maybe maybe though my problem is i listen i know how this is gonna sound but not hitting legs a lot because i work five days a week five days in a row basically and i'm walking for nine hours and i don't want to have sore legs but i also feel like that's kind of a decent like at least maintaining my legs but i hit them on my days off but i'm not hitting them hard so i got you i think i'm chicken leg syndrome jackson yeah, I, it's it's all good. We'll we'll change that you and me when I get back to campus. Same, bro. School's starting. Huge, huge legs advocate. Anyway, um, but yeah, I think I'm gonna switch from push pull legs to uh to Arnold split when uh the school year rolls around. But you yeah. asked me how I'm doing. I'm doing good. That's good to hear, man. It's good. Having a having a great day, to be honest. Got up early. We're recording some some crow's nest. You know what's good. All right. Hell yeah. All right, baby. Let's get into it. DK Metcalf, three years, $72 million. Justin, the Seahawks got away without paying him $25 million a year. You and I had discussions prior in the year to the Chiefs possibly, or my, you know, wet dream of the Chiefs picking up DK Metcalf and them needing to pay him, you know, $26, $27 million a year. But this man stayed in one of the worst football situations in America for $24 million a year. So let me know what you think of this contract. It's just one of those, like, he's going to be stuck there for a while, and maybe Seattle is, you know, trying to do a quick rebuild around him, but I don't know. I don't get Debo, or, or sorry, I don't get DK Metcalf staying with the Seahawks because I just don't see a bright future for this organization. Yeah, man. Damn, he only got $24 million a year. That's like... I, I'm my mind is blown, man. Like, how is he even gonna function as a human being with only twenty four million dollars instead of twenty six, twenty seven million? That's mind. Ah, like, uh, I'm I'm shocked. I'm shocked. But in all seriousness, I mean, I respect it, man. I, I love loyalty in the league, and I think it it goes a long way. And I think when when you string together a group of guys, especially in this most recent uh, wide receiver class that's having these contract extensions, majority of them stayed to their roots. And I respect that a lot. I think it's important. And I think it, it's good for the league because especially recently we have guys like Tyreek and all of that, you know, shipping around, jumping ship. And I really respect, I really respect the the grind of staying, even if the team is going to be bad, because you know what? It shows he has faith in who's running the team. He has faith in the organization to turn this around quickly. But with that said, his contract, he's up again for a new extension when he's 27, Right in the middle of his prime, he could always leave then. So I think it's a nice little short-term extension. Secure him some more money, grind it out, see what's happening with the team over the next three years, and then decide if he wants to stay in Seattle or not. Yeah, this could be a huge 
upside choice or a horrible, horrible decision from DK? Because you talk about the contract being up at the age of 27, right? It's how much do you want to pay a wide receiver possibly going into his 30s around the time of a con- another contract extension, and he's coming off of playing with Drew Locke or Geno Smith, right? So, you know, it's it's an iffy contract. I think DK does this to, you know, solidify his roots and his legacy within Seattle. But at the same time, it really opens him up for an opportunity to discover new opportunities later, right? Because when you get up at 27, you're, like you said, you're in the middle of your prime. But at the same time, ideally, a team is wanting to pick up a receiver as young as possible. Like those rookie contracts are so important and he's already getting paid $24 million a year when he's 24. Imagine what he might ask for three years down the road when inflation sets into these contracts and stuff like that. Yeah. Not to mention, I I'm, I mean, I've said this before and I'm going to double down on it. I think wide receivers are becoming very, very replaceable. I mean, perfect examples. Let's 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 take a sneak peek into next year's wide receiver draft class. They got guys like Jackson Smith and Joba from Ohio State and just guys like that. Like, that man, this is probably going to be a stud. Justin Jefferson just recently entered the league. This most recent class has guys like Garrett Wilson, Sky Moore, all of these guys who could potentially turn into superstars who will be 23, 24 by the time DK's 27. So I really do think the wide receiver is becoming very, very, very replaceable. So it'll be interesting to see what teams would be willing to dice it up for a 27-year-old wide receiver who's in his prime, though, and that and that's the thing. He's going to be in his prime. If you want to win football games, age is just a number, Jackson. It's irrelevant. Look at the Dolphins. They went on God Tyreek. He's about to be 30. So uh, it'll be interesting to see, but like you said, inflation three years from now, what the hell? I mean, oh, what are contracts going to look like for wide receivers then? I know I said it before. I thought, I thought the market was going to break this offseason. To some extent it did, but, you know, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, I think, are going to be the guys that really, really set that market. And by the time DK's next contract's up, he's going to be asking for that type of money. So it'll be interesting to see. It will, but let's let's switch over to another wide receiver who stayed with his roots and another guy who's going to have a contract end up by the time he's around 30. That's Debo Samuel. And he got a three-year max million dollar contract, right? So he has the potential to have a greater contract than DK, but it does add the incentives here, right? And I think this was a sneaky move by the Niners because they have incentives for him to reach 300 rushing yards and three TDs, right? So you didn't, or your wide receiver didn't want you to have him run the ball a lot. But at the same time, I think this is a great way to get around that argument where you say, hey, you know what? You don't have to run the ball, but if you do, we'll pay you extra, right? So it gives him a little reason to actually, you know, give into those run plays, win call by Coach Shanahan, stuff like that. I like this contract with Debo. It's it's the same situation that DK has where he's going to end up being a year older, actually. He'll be 28 by the time this contract rolls around but you know Debo with the way that he's built into this offense I don't see him going anywhere after this three years right this is a guy that I see playing the rest of his career out in the Bay Area just because of his flexibility as a player and even though he might be 28 they may sign him to another similar deal like this where it's short term and there's little to no downside for the team because they get a short tenure out of a wide receiver who is 
you know, used all over the field. And if he has great risk of injury, which he does because he's used all the time, then he's only on a short term contract. And like you said, Justin, they can go into the next draft, pick up a wide receiver. And, you know, I feel like Kyle Shanahan at this point could I mean, he made Kendrick Bourne a wide res- a a, uh, a Super Bowl wide receiver. So I feel like he could do it with just about anybody in some of the upcoming classes. Yeah, I don't know. This contract to me is a it's pretty solid. You know, they had to get it done. They had no choice. He basically told them, you know, pay me or I'm gone. And he waited it out. Both both sides eventually, you know, met in the middle, quote unquote, because he's still getting paid more than, you know, most of these other guys that got paid. But the thing for me that I'm personally would be a little iffy on dishing out all this cash to Debo is his shelf life, because we all know it's no secret running backs. They go quick in this league. And while Debo isn't a full-blown running back, he's still 26. By the time this contract's up, he'll be 29. And his workload, if you really want to take that route, is almost double that of a running back because he's out there running routes, getting hit by safeties, corners, and he's running in between tackles. So if anything, it's double the amount of damage to his body, and he values himself more as a wide receiver. And he only, the insensitives only is 300 yards and three touchdowns. He could easily get that done and then be like, hey – Quit feeding me the ball. I don't want to. I don't want to, you know, harm my shelf life here. And then I think that takes away his value as a player because I think what makes him so special is the fact that he can run the ball and catch the ball. But if he just wants to catch the ball, I think he's a lot more limited. And I think that makes him much less of a weapon. Not saying he isn't a weapon as a wide receiver, but I think as of right now, his what makes him a weapon is his versatility. So if you take that away, in a sense, you're taking away a lot of his value, in my opinion. Don't you think that when the competitive edge sets in, right, and it's all said and done, Debo is going to run the ball when it comes down to it, right? The adrenaline's pumping on the sideline. He's sitting there. He's not going to be like, well, you rushed me for 300 yards, so I think I'm actually going to sit this one out. No, when the game's on the line, Debo is going to sit there and be like, all right, I'm going to toughen up. Like, it's he only got 365 yards last year. So uh, sorry, only got 365 yards last year on the ground. So you have to think about that. Right. I think this was this is the perfect median because it allows Debo to still rush if he wants to. And it allows them to have the flexibility to, to run the ball with Debo when they need to. And Justin, I want to bring this question to you because of all the of all the four wide receivers that were signed in this offseason. This is the guy that I would choose to have. I'm a big Debo Samuel advocate because of his versatility, right? It's high risk, high reward because you're using a guy all over the field, like you said, in between the tackles, out wide, stuff like that. If you were to pick one wide receiver from these four, Terry McLaurin, Debo Samuel, AJ Brown, or DK Metcalf, what is your guy for the future? DK Metcalf. I would take DK Metcalf any day of the week over any of these guys. I think he is hands down the best wide receiver of this four. He's 6'4". He's the fastest. He's the tallest. He's the strongest. He's got the strongest hands. The real, the real weakness with DK is his route running. But when you're a 6'4", freak of nature, I don't think that really matters that much. It, yeah, and he's the youngest, to top it off. Out of the bunch, he's the youngest. He's the tallest. He's the strongest. He's the fastest. And for me, if I'm out here trying to get a wide receiver one for my team for the future— not only am I going to take the youngest guy if they're all in the same category almost, I'm going to take, you know, the best wide receiver. So he's the youngest and, in my opinion, the best wide receiver, 
best athlete, DK Metcalf all day. Yeah, two great NFC West wide receivers, you know. You know, you you keep saying the the genetic stats and stuff like that with with DK, and I get it. I just love the athleticism of Debo. That's why I'm going with him. And I think you know we should we should at least take a look at Terry McLaurin and AJ Brown because they're nothing to shy at, right? Oh yeah, no, I'm not taking away from them at all. And honestly, if you want my honest opinion, I would take DK Metcalf. But if I had to pick my favorite wide receiver in the NFL, scary Terry baby. I love Terry McLaurin. Just something about the his can you know what you know what I, I might you know take a step back a little bit Terry McLaurin has not had good quarterback play at all so we really don't know what he's capable of when there's a good quarterback on our center hopefully Carson Wentz unleashes a different version of scary Terry but downside of scary Terry is he's the oldest of the group so yeah and when you take a look at AJ Brown right you talk about poor quarterback play you have Ryan Tannehill which it's like it's not it's Definition not of great. Need. Yeah, it's not great, but it ain't good either, right? It's just like, eh, okay? And A.J. Brown's yet to have that real breakout season. Like, obviously, when he was a rookie and his second year, he made the Pro Bowl, right? Or, sorry, when he when he was a rookie, he got 1,000 yards, and his second year also got 1,000 yards, was named to the Pro Bowl. But something you have to watch with A.J. Brown as well is one he's going into another offense with a growing with another growing quarterback right in Jalen Hurts he's going into his second year right with with another quarterback but we've yet to see AJ Brown like really have that breakout season like it's it's good to put up a thousand yards you could be Mike Evans for the next you know six seven years right you just rack up a thousand yards bunch of TDs but we've yet to see you like dominate like have a season like J. Jeff or Cooper Cup or Devontae Adams, stuff like that. Like, I want to see a 1,500-yard season from A.J. Brown, something like that. And I know that's, like, insane to ask for, but that puts you in, you know, the the top, I would say, what, five, six, seven wide receivers in the NFL? It's, it's real hard to gauge, but these guys, you know, like Tyreek, or like Devontae Adams, you know, I know they have Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes as their QBs, but man, they're putting up 1,400 yards a season like it's nothing. Like it's nothing. So I'm excited to see where this wide receiver draft class goes. You have a lot of young talent, guys who are essentially, yeah, reaching their prime, like you said, Justin. But just to reinstate, man. Over these over these next couple of years, I'm telling you, Debo is going to take the crown on this one. Respectfully, you're so very wrong, Jackson. Just so wrong. You're so. I'm sorry. The only reason right. I could see that happening is because he's probably going to be on the best team. But with that said, new quarterback Trey Lance. We'll see how he does. I think if if we're going to bet on just on you know production, at least for this year, I'd probably give it to Terry McLaurin simply because they got. Curtis Samuel coming back. And honestly, I think heading into the season right now, out of all the quarterbacks, probably the best quarterback of the group. So at least we know we can get the most consistent play out of them. So there's that. Hey, put put some respect on Jalen Hurts, bro. I mean, I respect Jalen Hurts, but he's also unproven as a thrower. I think we know what Carson Wentz could be capable of. And at least last year, he showed a model of consistency at quarterback, whereas Jalen Hurts was very up and down. So. All right, we'll we'll have to see throughout this next NFL season. But first, 
First, let's talk about some other free agent ads that could shake things up for some certain teams. We Let's start close to home, Justin. Quan Alexander is coming back to Robert Sala's defense, and he is joining the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Run me down this one-year, $5 million contract with Quan Alexander. So, yeah, man, he's just he's going to come in. He's going to be a model of consistency for the scheme. And I've, I've talked about this before with the Jets. When you're a young team and you got this new scheme that you're trying to build up, it's really important just to have guys in there that are going to understand what what is expected of them, what the defense is supposed to do. And like, he's going to step right in. He's not going to have any troubles, you know, learning anything. And he's going to be our starting linebacker for the most part. And I think that was a big, big need for us. I talked about it before in the divisional round linebacker was our weakest position. CJ Mosley, while he is capable of great things, I think he's getting up there in age. And I think his athleticism is on the decline. Whereas Quan Alexander, he's 28. He knows what he's doing here. And I think he's probably going to be our best linebacker heading into next season. He's already making plays all over the place uh, at training camp, and he just started. Be- mainly, it could be because he knows the scheme, but also just because he's a good player. This isn't this isn't a scrub. This isn't a mediocre linebacker. I think he's a very good linebacker, and I think heading into next season, he's going to let that be known, especially on a defense where he can shine. Exciting move by the Jets. I mean— they're just adding that veteran leadership to a young roster. And something that's great as well about this is linebacker was a position in the draft that the Jets just couldn't target, right? To to be able to cover corner, D-end, and wide receiver, those were their three biggest needs by far. So that's what they went after in the first round, couldn't pick up a linebacker, and now they have a veteran, Quan Alexander, who can kind of be that bridge guy right? Learn the scheme, show a role model or be a role model for that offense, and then be able to step up for the next guy in line. Yeah. All right, let's talk about, let's transition to another veteran then. And I want to talk about the Chiefs who recently signed Carlos Dunlap. Justin, I was sitting at my breakfast table when I saw this come across ESPN. I was watching, uh, Watched some ESPN that morning and heard that Carlos Dunlap got signed by the Chiefs. And I've never been so excited for a 30-year-old veteran to join a team, right? This guy, I mean, he had eight and a half sacks last year. That's one behind Chris Jones and twice as many as Frank Clark. The Chiefs ranked 29th in sacks last season, right? It's, It's miserable. Right. You have one of the best teams in the NFL and they can't rush the passer. That's like one of the biggest needs in the NFL right now is to be able to pressure the quarterback. Right. So among active players, he ranks eighth in sacks. Okay, so they add a veteran leader. Who had eight and a half sacks last year at his age. Okay. And now you have the ability to have rotational DNs when you feel like it because you run with three of them. Frank Clark, who reportedly came to training camp in the best shape of his life, cutting out red meat and alcohol from his diet, going completely sober. And you just drafted George Carlaft as 29th overall in the NFL draft. Carlos Dunlap is going to allow these guys to be fresh and ready to eat tackle souls for breakfast, right? So all, all of this is just a move to, one, 
make sure that the payer, the player that you are paying a lot of money, Frank Clark, to perform is going to perform, and two, bring another veteran in alongside Frank Clark, two guys who were in Seattle, and help George Karlaftis learn how to be a great defensive end in this league. I I love this move by the Chiefs, and you know sometimes I look back and say, what could the Chiefs have done better? in a situation where they still had some cap space, but it looks like this signing of Carlos Dunlap may have been one of the best things they could have done with $8 million this off season. Good for the chiefs, man. Yeah. I like, I like that point that you made there is you, you got Dunlap now you got Frank Clark, Chris Jones is there just an absolute dog. He's going to eat up um, interior linemen, just create open rushing lanes for those rushers, get them the one-on-one situations. And yeah, bring veteranship for George Karlaftis. I love the move. You know, Carlos Dunlap, one of the best, you know, edge rushers we've seen in the last decade or so. So great move for the Chiefs. He's a little older. And like I said, you you have a rotation of just okay guys. So we'll, we'll, we will really see how that works because none of them are elite edge rushers at this point. And we aren't sure what George Karlaftis is capable of. But with Chris Jones, I think getting these guys that we know can beat tackles on one-on-ones it can only lead to success for the most part, unless you, you know, unless they're just not getting it done. We'll see about that. But, you know, good for Frank Clark going sober. Great move by him. Love to see it. So, yeah, we'll see about that Chiefs edge rushing. Yeah, you know, it's about time the Chiefs had a half decent defense. They've had one of the worst ranked defenses over the past couple of years. I know the second half of the season they start to turn it up, but that was because we had veteran leadership from one Honey Badger. Right. He was the guy who really kickstarted the defensive edge for this team. And, you know, he's gone now. So leaving it up to a few new veterans and some Justin Reed, we will have to see how the Chiefs do. With that being said, let's transition to another powerhouse offense. The Buccaneers, dude, what is going on? How is Brady? Ending up with all of this, right? Julio Jones is headed to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jackson, the rich continue to get richer. The NFL is just like real life. Yeah, man, Julio Jones. Ah, I don't really know. I don't know how much this move is going to do for the Buccaneers. I think in theory, it's going to be an amazing move. But Julio really was not anything crazy last year. And like, obviously, Tom Brady is a much better quarterback than you know, Ryan Tannehill, and there's going to be not one, but two really good weapons. But with that said, you know, Chris Godwin, Chris Godwin, you know, is injured and all of that stuff. And, you know, I'm curious to see how Julio really fits into this scheme because they already have a bigger body wide receiver in Mike Evans. Chris Godwin's, you know, pretty big of a body himself, really good route runner. So what the Buccaneers really need to complete that trio as a shorter, maybe faster slot kind of guy. And I really don't think Julio Jones fits into that. So I think Chris Godwin's going to have to slide into there. But I think Chris Godwin's capable of doing that. He's a really good route runner. He knows how to get open. Uh, just get him the ball in space and let him make plays with Julio and Evans on the outside. I think it could, you know, be something. I think it could be something that works really well. But with that said, Julio last year was a huge disappointment for the Titans. So. We'll really have to see if that was just age catching up to him and he's falling off or it was just bad scheme, bad quarterback play. He just didn't fit in there. I really think Tom Brady can make anyone look good. So I think 
I think there's a very good chance Julio has a bounce back year, but at this point, I'm not entirely sure. Here's the thing, Jay. Um, do you know who else joined the Tampa Bay offense at the age of 32, 33, who turned out to be a half decent wide receiver on the team, even though he was a washed veteran? Gronk. Antonio Brown. Let's talk about another receiver. Yes, he was that slot guy that you're talking about, but they have guys like Scotty Miller, Russell Gage now who can both slide into the slot. Chris Godwin's a great ad there, whereas Julio's a bigger guy who rides on the outside, right? And he's he's 33 years old, so I don't know how much you're going to see of him in the slot playing against slot corners and stuff like that. But if we take a look at Antonio Brown's tenure, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I'm not saying he's going to be an exact replica because he's a completely different wide receiver. And not to mention, he never had a off year per se. He just simply didn't play football and, you know, had a bunch of mental crises. Whereas Julio Jones, you know, he played a full year of football and he was hammered with injuries and inconsistent play and poor play. So I see where you're coming at, but respectfully, I disagree with the fact that like, oh, we've seen this before because they are two completely different players. And A.B. never showed any signs of slowing down. He just picked up where he left off, where Julio did slow down, and now he has to pick it back up. Well, I think the big difference is you're playing with Tom freaking Brady, right? You are playing on a Super Bowl caliber team, period. Not to say that at the time the Titans weren't and people thought, oh, that maybe this is the addition that will jump them into Super Bowl – in into a Super Bowl or just into a Super Bowl, right? So, like I said, take a look at the stats through 15 games, okay, across two seasons. Antonio Brown had over 1,000 yards receiving and eight touchdowns, right? And that is playing seven games one season and eight games the next. He played half a season, half a season with four touchdowns, 500 yards, okay? Think about If Julio stays healthy, right, you have four different options by the time Chris Godwin comes back, right? You have Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Russell Gage, and Julio Jones, and whoever they have at tight end, Cameron Bray maybe, right? What prevents them from getting Julio the ball in space when you have to cover guys like Mike Evans with two guys or Chris Godwin when he's back with two guys, right? You play with Tom freaking Brady, good stuff is going to happen. And I think this is another situation where even if his entire season is 500 yards and five touchdowns, I think it's a win, period, right? Not a lot of wide receivers can give you that model in the red zone, right? Julio Jones is such a huge body, physical presence, and we've already seen it in training camp. He's making stellar catches over top the Bucks' loaded secondary, right? This is a guy who can step in and revive his career. I am a Julio Jones believer, and I know he is 33 years old. I don't care. He joined someone who is timeless. Tom Brady's 45, and he's still slinging the rock around like he's an MVP, okay? I think Julio Jones can do it, and I freaking hate the Bucks because Tom Brady won't go away. And he just seems to have every veteran who is ever insane in their prime just want to hop on his team and load up a Super Bowl caliber team with him because he gets paid twenty five million dollars a year. Yeah, he, makes, he doesn't he doesn't want ten year half a billion 
Right, 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 right. But to a certain he extent, want, he doesn't, he doesn't he is, want to cripple his team like that, you know. To a certain extent, one TB12 is a much larger brand. Two, Giselle makes more money than Tom Brady ever will, regardless of Tom Brady's contract, right? So Tom Brady knows what he's doing. Well, why don't you tell Mahomes to go marry a, a supermodel instead of that girl who embarrasses all all the time? Well, everyone has their rock, Justin. You know, just because just because we don't agree with it doesn't mean that it's not good for them. So anyway, Julio Jones to the Bucks. I'm a believer. Sorry, Jay. I it's just way too much potential on way too good a roster. Just that's exactly you hit the nail on the head. Just potential. There's a lot of production that has to go around. There's a lot of guys that are going to want the ball. Just because he's on the team doesn't mean he's going to get the most touches and certainly doesn't mean he's going to get the most looks, especially when he doesn't have a repertoire like Mike Evans does, because Mike Evans has played with Tom Brady going for three years now. So Julio hasn't even played one. We'll see. We will have to see. Let's talk about let's transition to another wide receiver really quick. Actually, no. Miami Dolphins. Yeah. Speaking of Tom Brady, he has. Screwed over the Miami Dolphins once again. <laughs> I love to see it. I am so happy that this team gets to rot in misery for the next couple of years. They're not going to be a good football team. I can tell you that much. You know what? I'm going in. You know what? I've been I've been pretty nice on the Dolphins, but you know their their owner they're sh- doing scummy things, being slime balls, doing things they shouldn't be doing, and now they're getting punished. They don't get a first round pick this year. Yes, they have the 49ers pick, but that pick is going to be in the later ones. And you know the whole thing was like, oh, we got two first round picks. <laughs> got one what's up you guys are gonna suck your pick isn't even gonna be top 10 it should be top 10 should be top 12 but it's not going to be now you're stuck with the later pick and you know in theory oh we're so good our pick was gonna be in the 20s anyways nah that's the 49ers pick i'm very happy that they're getting punished doing slimy things trying to get sean payton and tom brady to retire and then unretire and join their team and it didn't even happen they had to settle for tua and i don't even know what what's his name Mike McDaniel yeah yeah Mike McDaniels so quite the significant step down you shooting for Tom Brady and you had to settle for Tua turn the ball over so good job Dolphins you guys got what was coming for you all right well Dolphins fans if you're listening one uh you guys can't control any of that so excuse excuse the bashing but something that I want to point out forget the Dolphins dude why does everything in Tom Brady's career have to look so slimy? Yeah. Tom Brady Why was he he guy. was trying to pull he was trying to pull a Rob Gronkowski. Oh, Rob, you've been traded to the Detroit Lions. What? I'm nah. retired. You can't do that. And then 2 months later signs with the Buccaneers. Um, yeah, I don't get it. It's it's odd, but now we know what that kind of controversy around Tom Brady and maybe joining Miami was about these past couple of years. It looks like Miami has been trying to get Tom Brady to retire and then possibly join the team. And Justin, to think about it, Tom Brady retired this year. What if he yeah. was thinking about going to Miami? That was, Lo- I, remember, I remember when he retired, a report came out that, you yeah. know, the Dolphins loading, are to loading up over. with Tyreek. Imagine how fishy. That would have sounded, right? Oh yeah, that would have that would have been very sus. But hmm. it didn't happen, thankfully. I don't have to see Tom Brady twice a year. Thank God. It's just I don't know, man. 
as much he is the goat, but yeah, some slimy things in his career, man. Some slimy things. Yep. Unfortunately, his legacy will forever be plagued with controversy at every step of the way. But you know what? That's just how the cookie crumbles. He's still the goat. He still won tons of Super Bowls, multiple with two different teams now. So yeah, a lot of that. I honestly, when the Patriots are always involved with drama, I always kind of just tossed it up to Belichick. But now. Tom Brady left the Patriots. Patriots are staying out of headlines, and Tom Brady can't. So maybe it was Tom Brady this whole time. Yeah, maybe it was. Well, hmm, man, interesting. Interesting, interesting, interesting. You know what else is interesting? A man getting what he deserves, right? Deshaun Uh Watson's appeal is happening. The NFL is appealing the six-game suspension for Deshaun Watson and possibly turning it into more this if you want people to like you right you do the right thing roger goodell you're doing the right thing okay this is a man who is involved with what 20 plus women and you're telling me that he's only getting a slap on the wrist jay this is a slimy slimy situation we just talked about a slimy situation this one's Slimy square. Absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. In my opinion, Deshaun Watson should never wear an NFL jersey again. I don't care if the court found him innocent. He had to settle it. Essentially, he paid off majority, if not all of these women. You don't pay someone off if you're not guilty. You know what I'm saying? Like if you actually are innocent and you have nothing to hide, then you shouldn't have a problem with going to court and settling it. But no, you had to settle it outside of court. You had to pay these women off to hush their mouths. Really, all they wanted was money. That's why they came out with it, to be completely honest with you. There is that aspect of it. I acknowledge that that's the world we live in. But Deshaun Watson, if it was like one, two, three, I'd be like, okay, maybe he's innocent. But this is 20-plus women. That's super suspicious. And, you know, he gets a slap on the wrist. He gets six games. Are you kidding me? Calvin Ridley took a year off for mental health. And while he was not essentially employed and wasn't playing football, not doing his job, he bet on the team he was playing for to win a game, and he got a year suspension. So first off, this almost looks like the NFL is laughing at mental health and you know suspending players that are, are taking mental health breaks for a year, whereas they're encouraging dudes to just go out there and you know whip their thing out and touch masseuses with it and force himself onto people. You know, and this is this is not something the NFL hasn't done before. You know, Ben Roethlisberger got a slap on the wrist with a very similar thing, including a minor. I'm pretty sure. Like, it's just ridiculous. And I think it's important to note that it was a judge that ruled six game suspension at the and that the NFL is coming back and you know trying to get that year suspension. So I applaud them for that. But at the end of the day, this should have never been six games. It should have been a year. And I don't know how he managed to weasel his way into six games. And the Browns are sneaky. Deshaun Watson is sneaky. I think the Browns, I never had much respect for them because they've always been a pretty bad franchise. But, you know, doing the guy that bought your franchise back from the dead the way you did in Baker Mayfield for a guy like Deshaun Watson who you don't even know if he was going to play. And then you sign him to this contract and you're sneaky with it. He only has a million dollars this year, so he's only losing like 300, 300K basically. Whereas the next couple of years he's going get, to be getting paid 20-something million guaranteed. Like, it's just so shady, and I really don't mess with that at all. I think Deshaun Watson is a sick human being. Yeah, and, you know, we don't know all the details, right? But we know what we have seen in the news, right? It's it's so tough because I – 
there is really no fair punishment in my eyes, right? Because these women, like, he can't take whatever happened back. And that's that's the real big issue. And it comes with huge entitlement of the level of person he is and the fact that he throws self-control out the window because he thinks he's entitled to whatever he wants, especially when – and God, what was Cleveland thinking when they give this guy a $200 million uh, guaranteed contract? All guaranteed. What are you thinking? Like – Cleveland's done some shady things, reviving players' careers after domestic violence and stuff like that. You know, I'll give you an example with Kareem Hunt, but like, dude, you guys are burying yourself in a grimy hole, and it yeah, is no no respect to that is, organization. Yeah, it is not it is not good. Jackson, my thing is, bro, like you are the at the time the starting. Playoff starting quarterback of the Houston Texans. You're a millionaire. You're a quarterback for one of the best teams in the NFL. There's no way you have to force yourself onto 20 different women. That's so wrong. It is, Jay. And this is, you know, that's why they call it self control. We cannot control the actions of others, they can only control it themselves. Speaking of decisions made by their own players, let's talk a little bit about Chris Carson because I think we need to show this guy a tribute as he retired from football after battling a neck injury for the past year and a half after injuring it in week four of the 2021 season. Chris Carson was an electric guy that came out of Seattle, right? And averaging four and a half yards per carry through the 50 games that he played, like he was he was plagued with injuries. And like you said, Justin... Wide receivers do not have a, or sorry, not wide receivers. Running backs do not have a long shelf life. This guy lasted four or five seasons, and it's just so sad to see because Seattle loved this guy. Uh, the Seahawk Seahawk fandom was a huge Chris Carson fan. He he put up great numbers while battling through just injury ridden seasons, and I think it's real important to see the maturity in this man to step away from football. After battling an injury like he did, I mean, he had two 1,000-yard seasons in 2018 and 2019, couldn't fully stay healthy for an entire season any year of his career. But when he you know, stayed healthy for those 14, 15-game seasons, he could put up 1,000 yards. But to, to see that he has that kind of potential, for him to know that and to still be able to say, you know what, it's not worth the risk, my health is more important, and to step away from the game is – that's humongous self-control, the opposite of Deshaun Watson, right? This guy this guy knows that his health is more important than the reactions of many fans and stuff like that. And it's it's really sad to see someone have to step away from something that they cannot control. But to see them know that it's their time is amazing, and I applaud Chris Carson for his decision. Yeah, and a class act by the Seattle Seahawks because they're going to release him uh, with a failed uh, physical designation and under the players union CBA that allows Carson to receive several million in injury protection benefits. Um, So Seattle class act class move doing one of your better players of the last five, six years, a good service. Um, Just congratulations, Chris Carson on an amazing career. It's a shame that you had to go so early, but I'm, I'm really happy that he's, you know, taking care of his health and, 
it sucks that he had to go, but at least he acknowledged that, you know, it was time. Of of all the teams to step away from, I think this was definitely one that he is Kinda, he is okay with. Nothing nothing against time. the Seahawks, but he he knew his situation and he knew it was time to step away. Let's close it out with another injury. And Justin, I dude, I cannot believe this. The third Broncos wide receiver in the past three years has torn his ACL before the season has started. Actually, early early season or early early season or before the season has started. Tim Patrick, a lot, a lot, a lot of players were talking or not a lot of players. A lot of analysts were talking how this guy could possibly break out. He's always been a great third option on this Broncos team. And now to have Russell Wilson as your quarterback just makes it so much better. And unfortunately, He's not going to see the field in the 2022-2023 season with a torn ACL. What a loss for the Broncos. Yeah, and he just signed that extension too, so you really hate to see it, man. That's very unfortunate. Broncos Nation. Sorry to hear that, guys. <laughs> oh, man. And something something to note, though, if you guys are going into fantasy drafts, which I'm hoping that all of you will, I think I'm going to try and have one going with Justin – and a few other guys on campus is this exponentially explodes the value of Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. You have two guys who are rising or who are rising studs in the wide receiver market. And we've seen the potential with Judy's route running and Cortland Sutton has had great seasons. He's a huge target for Russell Wilson. And it kind of brings me back to the DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett days. You have two guys who you can go to pretty consistently. Both have the ability to be deep ball threats. Both have you have the ability to be great wide receivers over the middle of the field. And we'll have to see how Russell Wilson adjusts because losing that third wide receiver that has that has a, you know, a good sum of talent. You have to wonder how much this drops them in a playoff run and stuff like that. When you don't have that next guy in line, like they're going to have KJ Hamler and people like that. But Man, to to see Tim Patrick go after giving him a nice extension, it's it's a rough blow for the Broncos. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I don't I don't, I don't think they're gonna. Okay, this is gonna sound bad, but it's the best way I could put it. They're not gonna miss him too much. Obviously, he's a great player, and they will miss him. But you know, you got guys like KJ Hamler, and Russell Wilson will still let Russ cook. You know what I'm saying? He's still got Cortland Sutton. Jerry Judy, obviously this makes their offense a little worse, but I think at the end of the day, the offense still has a lot of potential to do. At the end of the day, the offense still has a lot of potential to be great. So, Yeah, with with Russ at the quarterback, at the quarterback position, 730 yards and five TDs from last season is definitely, ha, definitely has the potential to be moved around this offense. Yeah, and don't sleep on that running game either. I'm, I'm very eager to see how this Broncos offense operates because they have two very good backs, uh, you know, a tag team in Melvin Gordon and uh, Javante Williams, who I think is going to take a huge step forward heading into year two. Yeah. So it's going to be an exciting offense next year for sure. Javante Williams, I hate to see in the AFC West, man. He yeah, led, gonna, he led the league in broken tackles last year. Yeah, he's going to be easy to think as a rookie. Him, him and Michael Carter, man, I hate to jump back onto the Jets, but I'm only saying this because they're both out of UNC. You know, they're, they're both going to be very good backs in this league. And, you know, they're they're used to being uh, the Jets are going to have Brees Hall as a tandem, too. So, like, they're used to working as, you know, kind of uh, splitting the workload because they did it at UNC. So I think Javante Williams might operate best uh, with Melvin Gordon kind of taking some of the 
the snaps away, keep him fresh, get his legs fresh so he can hop in there and make big plays. Broncos, Broncos offense is going to be fun to watch. Yes, sir. Broncos Nation. Let's ride. <laughs> but with that being said, that is the end of this episode of The Crow's Nest. If you made it to the end and you're still listening, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate you. Be sure to stay tuned for our next episode coming out here real soon. We're going to talk all things MLB free agency because the market is flying off the shelf. We're going to talk all things deadline. It's going to be magnificent. But for now, that is all. So for Justin Valenzuela, my name is Jackson Shank. We will see you all next time.